teams are losing games on two point try attempts and the roughing the roughing the passer penalty is as poorly called as as ever that's how you know the nfl's in mid-season form this is the fumble ruski podcast by power 88 and secret weapon consulting i'm adam wright with cj medeiros so i really wasn't kidding about the two point tries i i didn't it was a, it was a problem this past season cj where I think we saw it a couple times with the Ravens, and it happened one other time where a two point of a, a an extra point ties it, but they go for two, and then they and then it blows up in their faces. And now we're seeing it again. But anyways, CJ, how how are you? Anyways, uh, you know what, Adam? I mean, guns, I... guns blazing. <laughs> you know what, Adam? I'm fine. You know, j- just a, another day in the world. But hey, you know, you know, I'm on the podcast. I can't complain. I mean, I, I won't complain, is what I mean. But but you know, it's all it's all good over here. Yeah, same here, man. Same here. In uh, semesters in full swing, and so is the NFL season. And as I mentioned, we're gonna jump right into it and go for go and talk about the Raiders, who had a sizable lead against the Chiefs for a while. Then the Chiefs just came storming back with Patrick Mahomes leaving the charge, leading the charge as usual. The Raiders eventually came back and big big time touchdown play, 48 yards, Devontae Adams from Derek Carr, and it made it a 29 to 30 game. Extra point ties it. They went for a two-point conversion. It failed and the che- and I don't believe the Raiders got the ball back, did they? I don't think so, no. So I, they did not get the ball back, and the Chiefs wound up winning the game by one point. When a two-point conversion try- ties it. Now, we've been seeing that a little bit in recent years. Sometimes it works, and the coach looks like a genius. And other times, it doesn't, and the coach looks like a complete jackass. In this case... Uh, J- Mr. Josh McDaniels has egg in his face right now. So, CJ, I wanted to ask you, what do you think about this the two-point conversion try? Uh, these, aggr- these aggressive calls late in the game. Well, Adam, I would like to start a statement by saying this. <laughs> McDaniels is your problem now, Vegas. Enjoy your screens on third and ten. Anyway, oh boy, it's just you. I'll you take him look- over. I'll take him over Patricia, Patricia, though. Yeah, we have a better record. Funny how that works. Their offense has better weapons than ours, and we have a better record. I just think that's interesting. And uh, but either way, I would say that uh, you're talking about the decision making about these aggressive calls late in games. Now, I don't believe I've ever said this on the show, but I have a personal philosophy. There's, you know, obviously in life, there's good decisions and bad decisions. Now, for me personally, you can't take a decision. You can have all the analytics in the world, but you can't take the odds at face value. A decision is only good or bad depending on how it goes. You can disagree to your heart's content. However, my convictions stand firm. And I truly believe it's like there's no such thing as a surefire decision and the outcome solely predicts whether it was good or bad. 
and these two-point tries, they're just a little too risky for my liking, especially when, like you said, an extra point ties the game. It's like you're getting greedy, you know? You're trying to paint yourself as kind of a genius. And in the NFL, especially, like one play, one play can cost you the entire game. And especially like late in the game, if you're taking unnecessary risks, I don't care what the analytics say. That's on you. And if you end up with egg in your face, oh, well. And, you know, I mean, last season, the Baltimore Ravens going for it on two or for, or for two or going for it on fourth down or anything like that is like unnecessarily risky. And it's literally costing teams games which is ironic because a lot of our fellow Patriots fans say Bill's coaching scared. He's too conservative. Well, look at the flip side of like people like John Harbaugh or Josh McDaniels. They're too aggressive. Their needless risk-taking is costing them games, and as a result, they look like colossal fools, for lack of a, you know, for instead of a much worse word I was going to call them. Adam? Yeah, I mean, I look at this – and I just think when I look at the two point conversion, it's it's something that you should only be doing if you really need to do it. Like if you look at Super Bowl 51, that all those two point conversions the Patriots made, no one disagreed with those because that was like undisputedly like you have to do it or else it's or else you're done. You're dead. That's exactly the that's exactly what the two point conversion is for. Not to go go and just do it just needlessly when a, a when an extra point ties it. Like if if there were an if there were an instance in that Super Bowl where an extra point tied it and they went for two, that would have been stupid. But a two point conversion tied it, so they had to. It's just it, it the whole thing is just it's got it's gotten out of hand, and I think it's all the anal it's all the uh, it's all the analytics and, you know, the sports nerds who are all saying, well, if they make the two point conversion, then they win. Then there's a better chance they win the game or like a lot of the, like it says X amount of times that out of X amount of times that they're going to make it. So therefore it's a good decision. No, it's still a really, really risky decision. It's just, it's just needless. You're putting your, your, you're just putting your team in position to potentially lose almost for your own ego because if it works then then you're on you're up on a pedestal everyone's thinking wow what a ballsy move he made it he he knew there was something there when he really just took the risk just it was the 2016 season i believe it was week 1 or week 2 one of the one of the weeks um it was and it was the it was the Oakland Raiders at the time. <laughs> Jack Del Rio decided to go for two uh, with Derek Carr, and he he made it, and everyone was praising him for it. It's like wow, Jack Del Rio's really showing off his offensive skill set. He's really showing that he can that he can do it, and that was really ballsy. This is going to be a great season, and it was a great season for the Raiders that year. They went twelve and four. Derek Carr looked like a stud. And so did Amari Cooper and Michael Tra- Crabtree, Latavius Murray at the time. That was a great offense. I took I took advantage of it through fantasy football. <laughs> but either way, it was not like it. It only they he only looked good because 
because it worked. And like, yeah, like good for them that it worked, but if that failed, then the narrative would be completely flipped. So I, you are right. Like it is turned on to like a, if it works, then it, it was a good move. If it doesn't, then it was a stupid move. It's just a risky, it's just a risky and needless decision. Like it's, unne it's unnecessary. Go for the tie and give yourself a chance to win afterwards. Like I mm -hmm. understand you're going against Patrick Mahomes, who who's having a great season, but you have to you have to keep yourself into in it, and you have to show you have to show faith in your team that you can that you can hold against Patrick Mahomes. That Derek Carr can march march down the field and make another drive like that with with Devontae Adams and Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro at at your disposal. Like you just you just can't do that, and. Here's another side note. This is all, this is kind of this kind of di goes off from our narrative of the two point try, but Patrick Mahomes might be my pick for league MVP this year. Yeah, same. With what he's working with, four touchdown passes. I believe that's what fifteen to this point in the season to like two picks. Yeah, I'll have to look like at the that. stats, but he's been incredible. Yeah, it's like he hasn't missed a beat. He might be better than he was last year. And he had more weapons last year. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I 100% agree. And uh, as someone that has him in fantasy, I can say uh, I think he deserves it. Oh, so you do have bias in this. You do. <laughs> I, I don't have bias. I don't even I, – I just I just think he's he's doing great. I'm respecting the greatness. I am. Well, I am great. too. I'm just saying I personally can attest. Yeah, all right. Well, we do want to move on, and we're going to talk about – so this is kind of something that's gone around, like it's a sort of around a few different NFL games. We're not just covering one matchup or one game, but each team in the NFC in the NFC East, outside of Washington, sorry Washington, <laughs> has been just really overachieving here, doing incredible. And we're gonna break this division down and talk about the possibility of this being the best division in football. We'll get to this next. You're listening to the Fumble Rooski podcast. Here's Edelman broken up, and the pass is no sign yet. Edelman comes down with a football. They're saying it's a catch. You are listening to the Fumble Rooski podcast. Adam Wright with CJ Medeiros here. And so the NFC East really flexed its muscles this week. Again, outside of Washington. <laughs> I, I think they're what, like one and four. And I really feel bad in excluding them from this. But the, the rest of this division has just been so incredible. So the Giants started off. They won in London the other, uh, the other day uh, on Sunday. And then you had the Eagles who continued their brilliance starting off with their 5-0 and start. And Cooper Rush and company on the Cowboys pulled off the upset. I don't care about the record. Sorry, it's, it, it's, th that, it's just early in the season. 
against the Rams. And all of a sudden, Cowboys are 4-1. and one, Eagles are 5-0. and oh, The Giants are 4-1. and one? Holy crap. How is this happening? <clears throat> CJ, are you buying into this potentially being the best division in the NFL? Oh, that's a tricky one. But am I buying into it? Yes and no. Yes, for the records. You know, there's an old saying that says you are what your record says you are. And frankly, it's something I disagree with, you know, because I always say, oh, you could be greater than the sum of your parts. For example, the Giants, We everyone and their mother knows the Giants are fool's gold. They are far and away the worst one and four or four and one team, excuse me. And and if you pull up, you know, their quarterback Daniel Jones's stats, he has 848 passing yards, three touchdowns, and two picks over five games. But it's like he's not going to win you anything in a shootout. They're basically they're trying they're using him like New England's using Bailey Zappi right now. And Daniel Jones is not the guy. He, they're basically, he's like the game manager's game manager. He hasn't thrown for 3,000 yards since his rookie year. And I just, I don't see him as the long-term option. And the Giants' whole offense depends solely on how Saquon Barkley does. They're probably going to lose if he has a horrible game. But if he's lighting it up, then I think they're going to be fine. And the Cowboys. The Cowboys are an interesting group because Cooper Rush, as you know, backup quarterback, comes in for Dak and is undefeated as a starter thus far. He has a 61% completion percentage for 839 yards, four touchdowns, no picks. Once again, more of a game manager, but it's the Cowboys' defense that for some reason has come alive and bottled up the Rams. Then there's Philly. Philly's undefeated, and that roster is legitimate. You know, you have uh, Jalen Hurts, who shows that he could be the guy, and you have a scary receiver duo of A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith and a tenacious defense as well. And then there's just poor, pitiful Washington, the commies, I like to call them. But I just I, – but to answer your question, Adam, after I just gave like a breakdown there, ah, boy – I mean, in terms of the record, they're the best. But in terms of talent, I disagree. So I'm going to hold off on it going on. And, ju- and I know I make the question banners and I make all the all the questions in the, in the segment. But I thought it's just something that we could explore. But so I you're going to answer off. your own question. That's what I'm hearing. Yes. Wow. Because I want to I just want to bring it to light, you know, but. I think, like this is, a, no, I think this is. I think this is. I think this is something that I'm open to. I'm I'm intrigued by the idea that the NFC East going forward could be the best division in football. It's really early, but when you start four and one and you're the Giants, I understand they haven't beaten the best teams. They started off by beating the Titans, who I believe are three and two now. Correct? Like they they've actually figured things out. I think it's a bit early to say they figure things out, but I guess they're maybe turning a Rec- corner, kind of. Well, okay, for for argument's sake, record-wise, they figured it out. Sure. You got the Panthers, who are who have their own issues, they're figuring out. They 
Okay, so they lost to the Cowboys. That's their only loss. They beat the Bears. No, nothing to, nothing to say there. Here's, here's the one that's intriguing. The Green Bay Packers they beat. The Packers. That's a pretty good – listen, as much as I we love to talk about how they don't have nearly as much firepower as they have in, in the past, that's a very lethal defense. They have talent all around the field, especially in that secondary. They um, they have a very good running back duo in AJ, uh, excuse me, AJ Dillon and Aaron Jones. And then we can't forget about the quarterback they have back there. So the fact that they were able to beat that team and come all the way back, I'm not sure what the comeback was, but I believe they were down a, a fair amount of points at, at one point in the game. I'm bringing up, they were down. So they were down twenty to they were down twenty to ten at one point. So ten points in at at a, at this point it was the third it was midway through the third quarter where they started to mount a comeback, and they held and they held Green Bay scoreless. So Aaron Rodgers and company, and they were able to score on that on that Green Bay defense, which is pretty stingy. So I am intrigued by the idea that the Giants can play. And it's not like we have to rely on on Daniel Jones to pull these things off. They have they have a pretty decent defense, the Giants have. Nice front seven that was bullying Aaron Rodgers all, all morning. And we'll say morning because we're in the Eastern time zone. Um and I believe that it's one o'clock in London when at that point at the in the time. But I I I do Let's let's hold let's hold on that team because they they're built on kind of defense and running the ball with Saquon Barkley who who's remains healthy to this point and you do have a pretty good uh, dare I say pretty good wide receiver core when it's healthy and notice I say when it's healthy <laughs> because when he get when it's healthy it is pretty talented I like Kadarius Tony I know Sterling Shepard's done for the year Darius Slayton's always shown. Uh, flashes of brilliance and on top of that you have Kenny Galladay who did have some pretty good days in Detroit granted he was playing with Matthew Stafford but good days the Eagles and so going on to the other teams the Eagles they look really good they they look they look like uh they look like the team to beat right now in the NFC and they're beating teams like it's like it's nothing almost and I'm pretty, I, I'm pretty sold on that team at that at this point of the year. I know it's early, but I'm sold. And the Cowboys, that's another team that I wouldn't say I'm sold on as a contender, but I'm getting around to the point where I think that they're that they this is a a wild at least a wild card team, playoff playoff team at, at least, because they're winning games on defense and running the ball, which is a very it's, which is actually a fairly sustainable way of of winning games. You let your quarterback not turn the ball over, and you have wide you have weapons in the passing game where if you do need to throw it, you can do it. You have C.D. Lamb, you have Michael Gallup, you have Dalton Schultz. Those are all pieces that you can throw to, and can come through in in uh, in timely fashion, as we know as Patriots fans looking back at C.D. Hmm. Lamb's game against. Oh boy, we we very we very nearly had that game, but. Uh, we won't go in in depth with that. Jaylen but this Mills. is a division. This is a division that I I 
I wouldn't say I'm buying into it quite yet, but I'm intrigued by how they're playing. And they do have some talent if you look closer at the team. I know it's easy to just clown on the Giants and say it's a paper four and one, but they do have some talent there. Saquon Barkley, when he's when he's healthy and is a is the real deal, and he showed that. That defense led by Kayvon Thibodeau and that the rest of that front seven really was performing. And they do have pieces to throw to when they're healthy. So I wouldn't I, I do like I do like this division. And I think I think they I wouldn't rule out the possibility this could continue. I wouldn't. Uh I mean I'm not ruling it out, but mark my words, if Saquon puts together a string of bad games or goes down, the offense is done. Their season's over. Right. Like that entire team literally hinges on Saquon Barkley's ability to to produce. And you know what? And and unlike you, I will actually say that this is a paper four and one. I mean, they're not beating anyone good except – I mean, do we even count Green Bay anymore? I mean, they just have Rodgers and some decent pieces on defense, but I'm not sure. I think with the way that they're built, as long as they play to the script, the the game flow, as as uh, if you will, then yes, I think that this is a team that you can call that you can call at the very least competitive, especially since you have Aaron Rodgers back there. All right, fair enough. You know, well, well, as far as the Giants go, I say let's just reopen this case a few weeks from now, and we'll see where we stand. Right, because if they went, lose the next three games, then we could throw this take, this potential take, out the window. Yeah, yeah, and, of course. And I'm sure I'm like I, I am sure I'm sure the Cowboys will be in the mix at this point. At that point, and the Eagles, I am sold on my dogs. My two-year-old pup is. Uh, rummaging around. I hope he doesn't do anything. Oh, he's gotten into something. Jesus, Doug. Uh, all right. Well, we do want to we do want to move on, uh, and we'll put this to rest until later on uh, in the season. But the roughing the passer penalty, and it's the question of the way it is called has arisen again. So there were a couple of questionable calls. Uh, this past weekend, and I wanted to touch on that and what how we feel about the way it's called and what it means for the rest of the season. We'll get to that next. This is the Fumble Rooski Podcast. Welcome back to the Fumble Rooski podcast. Adam Wright here with CJ Medeiros. So we've moved on to the next portion of this show where we're going to go over a couple of these roughing the passer calls that happened. One, the first happening with Tom Brady where he was 
thrown to the ground. And it was it looked like a clean sack. But they called it roughing the passer anyways. It was it was pretty, you know, normal. Nothing happened. And everyone turned around and said, "Well, Tom Brett, look at this. It's Tom Brady getting away with calls again. He's getting calls." Then on Monday Night Football, it happened yet again. Chris Jones breaks the defensive tackle Chris Jones breaks through the defensive the uh, offensive line and sacks Derek Carr stripping the ball away. Now at this point he has the ball in his hand by the time it was called. And Ian Rappaport, some some insider tweeted, this is the fir- this might be the first time ever where and a roughing the passer has been called when the ball is in the defender's hands. So CJ, what do you think about how the roughing the passer penalty is uh, is being managed here? Hmm. Now, let me tell you something. I, I I'm going to cross sports real quick. Now, as you may know, I'm a basketball guy as well. And this is and the roughing the passer call is getting to be as ridiculous and downright asinine as a technical foul in the NBA. And if you watch the NBA, then you know their technical foul situations out of control. And frankly, I don't think it's really any surprise that we're seeing an uptick in stupid roughing the passer calls after Tua Tagovailoa gets his brains turned into mashed potatoes. It's the NFL saying, oh, hey, yeah, we care. Here's a flag. Maybe it is. Maybe it's not. I I don't know, but it wouldn't shock me. And furthermore, I really thought it was just the ref showing favoritism to, like, Tom Brady. And, you know, but they they also do that for Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes. But they did to Derek Carr. And I'm noticing that, like, you can't touch the quarterback anymore. And like you said, it could have been a roughing the passer because the ball was already in the defender's hands. And... And it's like now they have all these rules like, oh, you can't put all your body weight on the quarterback. You can't hit him below the knees while he's in the pocket. And now it's like you can't hit him below the knees when he's out of the pocket. They made that change. And now uh, and now soon it's going to be like you have to count to seven Mississippi before you blitz. It's, or it's like you can't make eye contact with the quarterback. But uh, this is where we're going, Adam. And this may sound extreme, but is it really? Is it really extreme? I personally don't think so. And the NFL and the Players Association and all the odds and ends there need to sit down and say, all right, this is roughing the passer and this is not. You know, I mean, you think they'd do that, but the fact that it's so up to interpretation aggravates me. It's just, like I said, and then you have Jerome Boger, who keep in mind, was literally had his crew ejected from the playoffs for his bungling of the Bengals and Raiders game. He literally said, you know, about the Tom Brady uh, roughing the passer. It was like, oh, yeah, well, there was intent to injure. Or it was like, it was unnecessary. How do you know that? You don't. All right. So I brought up a little stat sheet here of these four NFL quarterbacks who are in the league currently. And the pa- the roughing the passer penalties that, that have been called since 2012. So keep in mind, two of these players weren't even in the league. So Tom Brady, in 235 career games, 27 roughing the passer penalties. 
Hmm. Aaron Rodgers in 216 career games, 28 roughing the passer penalties. <laughs> Patrick Mahomes in 79 career games. Keep in mind, he just got in the league in 2017. Wasn't didn't start until 2018. 20 roughing the passer penalties. Good lord. Josh Allen in 73 career games, 24 roughing the passer penalties. So the roughing the passer penalty, it started off with Aaron Rod with Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers with protecting their star players. Now that Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen has have taken over the league, and Brady and Rodgers is still there, but now that Patrick that Mahomes and Allen are the faces of the league, it's getting worse than ever. Yeah. And especially since the 2018 season, that's when this really started coming up where there were issues. Remember when remember when Clay Matthews was having the, this trouble? Oh my god, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he there put, was yep, there was yeah, also he put his eight, body weight on the quarterback or something equally yep. stupid. And it it was happening all year with all defenders throughout the league. Mm -hmm. And I remember there was the AFC championship game where there where it was just inconsistently called. There was one there was one play where the the a player barely touched uh Patrick Mahomes and then they made it a or no it was they, they barely barely touched Tom Brady and they called it and then there was one play where Patrick Mahomes nearly got killed and they didn't call it and then there was there were it, it happened all throughout that season and it's just such like you got to be consistent with it if you're going to if you're going to call whenever he gets killed or if you're going to call whenever he barely gets touched. I'd say that's fine. Just pick a side. I would rather it be when he gets killed because that's actually when it matters. But that's just me. But at least stay consistent with it. Because it's really causing issues within, like, the, the league and their officials are losing credibility. And you're going to get to the point where it's like the NBA with officials calling the their superstars on 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 uh traveling because you see it all the time and it never gets called yeah it almost never gets called and when they do you got the lebron jameses and the Giannis antetokounmpo's of the world having the audacity to argue with it like this dude walked like ran halfway across the court and lebron james thinks it thinks it's a civil right to go go ahead and go in question in question a call that you violated it's the whole thing is just ridiculous. And it's 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 happening now with the, the quarterbacks in the NFL. Yeah, Adam, I agree. And here's something that really burns me about this. Are you ready? It's not evenly applied. If you're someone like Geno Smith, a defender could take your head off, and the NFL would not give a singular damn. But if you breathe on someone like Patrick Mahomes or Tom Brady, you're lucky if you don't get suspended. It's just, and it's like, it's the favoritism that I hate among all else. And uh, yeah, that's just, that's just my rant of the day. Oh, trust me. I have plenty to rant about. <laughs> Luckily with both of these, with both of these calls, I really didn't have my, me personally, I didn't have a dog in this fight. I don't care much for what Tom Brady does. He's already, uh, even as a Brady fan, he's already accomplished enough regardless of whether he wins or loses this year. And he does have a chance. 
not the strongest team he's had in Tampa, but in this Raiders game, so it was called against the Chiefs, but the Chiefs won anyways, as we covered on a couple of, a couple segments ago. Pretty dumb decision by the Raiders, but we've already covered that as well. But I don't know. I mean, unless it happens in a big game, I'm not going to be standing up ranting about this. But it, it is something that I wanted to look at because this is just a lot of it, – it's just stupid. It's really bad. But do you have you have anything else to cover before we reach our Fumble Rooski fantasy fix? Uh, no, no, I do not. All right. Well, we are, in fact, ready to move to our fantasy football segment known as the Fumble Rooski Fantasy Fix. We're going to get to some waiver wire pickups this time around as the waiver period is almost here. So don't go anywhere. You are listening to the Fumble Rooski Podcast. This is the Fumble Rooski podcast by Power 88 and Secret Weapon Consulting. Adam Wright here with CJ Medeiros. We have reached the Fumble Rooski Fantasy Fix, where we're going to cover anything fantasy football on Fridays, of course. We have our stardom sit-ems. But on Tuesdays, such as today, we have our waiver wire pickups. So we're going to jump right into it and start with running backs. We got Latavius Murray who was just freshly picked up by the Broncos. And we also have Kenneth Walker for the Seahawks now that Rashad Penny has gone down. And for Latavius Murray, Javante Williams is gone, which leaves only Melvin Gordon back there and Mike Boone. But I love me some Latavius Murray. I've been loving that guy for the past few years. Whenever he's a backup and he steps in for the RB1, he always does great things. So go and pick up Latavius Murray. Kenneth Walker as well. Then going on to wide receivers, we're going to hit on Randall Cobb. And with so much uncertainty, and I feel like we've gone over a few different Green Bay wide receivers for these waiver pickups. But with so much uncertainty in that uh, in that wide receiver core for the Green Bay Packers, anyone who puts up a good performance, go pick them up. Because God forbid they pick up some consistency and you don't get them, then you have egg on your face because you didn't pick the right Green Bay wide receiver. There's also Jacoby Myers, who just came back for New England and he showed out with Bailey Zappi. Go pick him up. We also have for tight end, we have Hayden Hurst, who's starting to gain some steam with Joe Burrow as his new quarterback. And we also have Evan Engram for the Jaguars, who is doing some great things, the former first-rounder, and so is Hayden Hurst. So go pick either of those guys up. Now heading over to our quarterback streamers. We have Geno Smith versus Arizona. 
That is a juicy matchup against a Cardinals secondary that continues to struggle against quarterbacks. And Geno Smith has been red hot this season, throwing to Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. And the next guy is Jimmy Garoppolo with a nice matchup. Jimmy Garoppolo is always a nice uh, streaming option if he has a good matchup. He's always, he's serviceable. He has a nice, he has a nice high floor, I'll say. Um, not the highest ceiling, but if you need if you need a quarterback, go get Jimmy Garoppolo and Geno Smith. We also have for defense and special teams streamers, we have the Commanders defense at Chicago, and we have the Bengals at New Orleans. So take take advantage of any defense going against Chicago because that that offensive line is so bad, and Justin Fields continues to turn over the ball. Until that stops, keep starting Chicago's defense. Uh, also, Bengals against New Orleans. Turns out Jameis Winston, his turnover issues are the same as are returning to what they have been for most of the season. So there you have it. That is our Fumble Rooski Fantasy Fix with our waiver wire pickups. But CJ, do you have anything to add before we move on to our Fumble Rooski Fan Box? Uh, no, I do not. All right. Well, we are going to move on where we talk about this uh, at this time around. We're going to talk about some of the most disappointing players, the underachievers in individual performances so far this season. We'll hit on that next and your answers and give our reactions. Don't go anywhere. This is the Fumble Rooski podcast. You are listening to the Fumble Rooski podcast by Power88 and Secret Weapon Consulting. I'm Adam Wright with CJ Medeiros. We have reached the Fumble Rooski fan box where we post a question filter on our Instagram every Monday and you can respond with hot takes, questions, and more. And we will discuss it and give you a shout out on our podcast. Respond to next week's fan box question to be featured on our show. Now, the question of the week was, which player has under, underachieved the most this season? So a lot of good answers, starting with Cola DJ, who said James Conner. And I would, I would agree. That yeah. offense is, as a whole is really underachieving. Kind of a middling Arizona team where we thought they would be pretty good. And Kingsbury. James Conner James well. is in the epicenter of that, who had a great season, but he was a little touchdown dependent last season yeah um going on we have cash withers who said cd lamb here's what i'll say he's not underachieving because His when you have a is cooper rush that's my point you got cooper rush throwing to you and cooper rush has been pretty good throwing to cd lamb he does lean on him a lot but 
when you succeed like that with a backup, I've got to say, not too bad. Yeah. Not too bad. I, just, I He's been pretty good with CeeDee Lamb. Um, Patrick Williver said Kyle Pitts by a million. And I, I would agree. Oh, His yeah. yardage is way down. He is not playing the same as he was and he hasn't improved on his touchdown production which i predicted would improve yeah uh, i despite, remember that adam despite uh despite his uh regressed quarterback play over there i didn't think that would be an issue i i've i had seen other tight ends be able to succeed despite a lack of quarterback play we saw george kittle back in 27 2018 i believe where he had what 1300 yards and like around 10 to 13 touchdown pass touchdown receptions. And I thought he was pretty good with Nick Mullins, but, and CJ Beathard yeah. and it worked out then, but whatever yeah. I'll, uh, I'll call it a cold. T- it ain't over till it's over. Kyle 10 catch pits. They call him. Yeah. Tyson Tate said Allen Robinson. And I would agree. Does Stafford hate him or something? Cause he only throws to Cooper cup. Uh, either either he either they have some issues with money and uh and girl problems or who <laughs> who knows but it, it could be he's not getting open but he's really not being utilized in that offense and you got to wonder if especially since the turnovers are really racking up for Stafford early on in the season and the losses are are starting to rack up maybe he's lean, maybe Stafford's leaning on Cooper Cup a little too much so much yeah, so that he forgets that. so much so that he forgets the rest of the offense even exists um but let's see where's my spot all right nick norman said baker or russ take your pick and you would be right with both of them yeah mayfield man baker mayfield and alan uh, excuse me we um and uh, and Russell Wilson, and we got a lot of picks for uh, for both of them, so we'll have plenty of time. We'll have plenty of time to touch on that. Secret mm. Weapons Consult Weapon Consulting said Russell Wilson, and I guess we'll t- touch on it now since Broncos now someone country, else. Let's ride. <laughs> we, I mean, we we touched on it on our last episode. That this team is just they seem too fat and happy. They feel like they it seems like they wanted to. They felt like they were going to show up and become contenders, and I understand what they. Th- that they might think that because they do have a lot of talent, but talent means Jack. If you don't do anything with it and you don't work a famous man known as Kevin Durant once said hard work meets beats talent when talent does not work hard. And Alan, uh, and Russell Wilson is swimming around in, uh, in all his money saying Broncos country, let's ride. <laughs> and, and thinking of other new yeah. cool catchphrases to say during press conferences. Um, Derek Hool said Kyle Pitts. Yeah. Uh, like I said, I, w- I would, I hope he, and part of it's not his fault because the quarterback play is pretty bad. Yeah. But, but Ted catches all the season, man. I don't know about that. Through five weeks. That's not yeah. good. Like it's and so good pick. Uh, Eli Turner said, Please force Russ to cook Broncos country. That's right. Maybe, maybe that will be part of you know how there's these contracts are starting to have these requirements. Yeah, require Russ to cook. Yeah, Russ, exactly. You have to work hard, work as if 
you feel like you're going to be traded tomorrow like you were in Seattle. Because mm-hmm. apparently they were trying to trade him the whole time. So yeah. no wonder why they felt why he felt why he felt like he had to work so hard because he felt like he could be putting on a different uniform any any day now. Now he has that security yep. and he has that fire is out. Um Ian Mulhern said Matt Ryan, and that would be oh, yeah. correct. I I thought that the Colts could be a dark horse team to contend in the AFC, especially since Matt Ryan has a track record of leading some playoff teams. This was probably the best roster he's had in years, and he's done nothing with it so far. In fact, he's probably one of the worst pieces of it so far. Doesn't yeah. he lead the league in interceptions and fumbles? Yeah, something like that. And it's Adam, not good. Yeah, but look, Adam, here's the thing. Indy, this is an indictment on you. You keep trying to put a Band-Aid on, like, a severed limb. Like, you you have to just – you have to find a franchise quarterback. You've had bridge quarterbacks since, like, what, 2017, 2018? Since, since Andrew Luck in yeah. his last season. It, and even the before then, there were a couple of years. And even before that, there were a couple of years where they were trying to stuff, like, Jacoby Brissett – and name the other backup quarterback they had while they were waiting for Andrew Luck to get healthy. So they've been they've been having trouble for most of the 2010s and now into the 20, 2020s. So that's been that's becoming an issue for the Colts. And I don't know. I just thought this time would be different because it was Matt Ryan and I thought maybe it wouldn't be like Patch, like uh like Peyton Manning on the Broncos, but it would be like close to it because it's Matt Ryan and he is a pretty good passer at yeah. his prime. Uh, Slater Griff, is it Slater Griffith? It's Slater underscore G underscore 12. And, and I know you've pronounced his name yourself. Just it's hard. It's hard to find, to look into the names because we get so many responses. Yeah. Is it Slater Griffin Griffith? I think it might be Griffith. I don't know. I don't have it in front Something of Something like that. He said, A Rod is nothing without Devontae. And I touched on this early, and I touched this earlier on in the episode. In his defense, it's very tough to play without any targets as a quarterback. It's tough. Even with even in our in our years watching Tom Brady in, as a New England Patriot, when he in 2013, in uh, let's say what is it? Tw- we'll say 2005, 2009. When you have trouble with targets. You're not going to be as you're not going to be as good. We saw it in 2019 with Tom Brady. When you yeah. have when you have targets versus when you do, the stats are just night and day. And it doesn't mean you're not a good quarterback. You can still figure things out as Rodgers clearly is because they're three and two and we're three and one until they lost at the last second to a team that's a, a gritty Giants team. So far, <laughs> I know you think it's it's paper. Um, I don't know. Like, you know, it's he's doing the best he can with what he has. And I'm I, I do have a little bit more respect for him that he's buying into a team that doesn't have as many weapons. Because usually you yeah. see him crying over the fact that he doesn't. And now he's wor- he's doing his best with what he has. And the team's just not designed for the for Rogers to put up statistics. And I am applauding him for being okay with that because usually he's not. <laughs> yeah. Um all right. And Robert Shelley said Baker. I was rooting for him, 
but he went from badass to ass ass real quick. <laughs> Isn't that the truth? <laughs> All right. Listen, I know I was never a big Baker guy. And I guess I bought into him a little bit before last season, but if this doesn't confirm that he's not really the real deal, that he's going to another team that also has talent and is not doing anything with it, then I don't know what does. Well, I maybe mean, his Ma- coach is terrible. Yeah, I was going to say, maybe Matt Rule. And now he's fired, so let's see what happens now. But And maybe the offensive line, because they don't really have too much there. But Christian McCaffrey is healthy for an extended period of time now, which feels yeah. weird because usually by this time at like week three, he's hurt. And he's he's done until like halfway through the season. Then he plays three games. Then he gets hurt again. Yep. And so we'll see. We'll see with him. Brian Cody said Justin Fields. <laughs> the and, Ohio State QB curse is real. And you could say that Justin Fields is ha- – you could say that like he hasn't been very good. And you could also say that it's because I didn't. You didn't really have many expectations for him, and to begin with, because even if this kid can play, he's not going to get the chance to throw before he gets a defender in his face. I mean, that's what ha- that's that's what happened a couple of t- a games last year. Yeah, Miles Garrett was in his face and sacked him six times. It was it was unbelievable. Um, but yeah, that that is a good pick. Uh, Diego Larios said, "Not a player." but Zach Taylor and his play calling. His play calling was an issue last year. But the problem, the good thing was Joe Burrow and company were able to overshadow it, and the defense was able to be serviceable and win them some games. Now they're not winning games. And Zach Taylor's play calling is sticking out like a sore thumb now. Yeah, Whereas before, the defense nobody has improved, saw it. and so is the O-line. This, the coaching. Can you imagine if somebody like Mike Tomlin or Bill Belichick had that team? Yep. Yep. All right. Diego Huertas said by far, Russell Wilson is not even a question. It isn't a question that he hasn't underachieved. It's been bad. And I, I, I've, he's always been a guy who I've respected. I loved his work ethic. He's like a grit. He was a really gritty guy in Seattle. He was never the best quarterback, but he played his heart out and he never backed down from a fight. And he worked, he worked hard with some, Really lacking, for lack of a better term, Seahawks teams, where they really didn't have too much. I remember a couple of years, Tyler Lockett was their top receiver. And not no disrespect towards Tyler Lockett. He's maybe a low-end wide receiver one. Maybe. He's more of a wide receiver two. But he mm-hmm. worked with that and was able to bring them to a playoff to a playoff a playoff spot. They didn't win any games and they lost to the Cowboys in the playoffs, which does say a little bit because he <laughs> lost to the Cowboys in the playoffs. But he was a, he made that happen. And now he has he was able to do more with less in Seattle. Now he has more and he's doing less with more, which is not a good look on his part. Well, Adam, you know what they say? Broncos country. Let's ride. Jesus, if I hear that one more freaking time from you <laughs> and it won't it won't be the last for the rest of the season it's only going to get louder oh yeah uh, jack briel said Najee harris well, and yeah I that pittsburgh o-line's doing him no favors that offensive like, line sucks it's like having you also have, through quicksand jesus and you, you also don't have ben roethlisberger peppering him with targets and uh and you know 
bringing his PPR status like through the roof. Mm. I remember there was a game he had like 19 catches and he he put up like 30 points or something like that. It was incredible. But, you know, there's no Roethlisberger to do that. It's all Kenny Pickett and, you know, Mitch Trubisky. Um, But it's still a good pick. I mean, he hasn't been great. Mm. A lot of it's not his fault, but still. Uh, Grayson Mortimer said uh, Allen Robinson. Again, get this guy some targets, and you might start winning games, Rams. And I am looking at you. Blanking on, uh, blanking on the head coach's name, and I shouldn't. Sean McVay. I'm looking at you, Sean McVay. As you are one of the best young coach game, and you are yet to utilize. You are allowing your quarterback Matthew Stafford to just force feed Cooper Cup, and I get it. Cooper Cup had an incredible year, but if you continue to force feed him, then you're not going to win games because everyone knows where the ball's going. And that becomes a problem when defense and defenses can guess when you're what you're doing. Um, yep. John Warren said Raiders, but Derek Carr mostly. Hmm. Yeah, Josh McDaniels. I just said and that he's gonna have. I'd Vegas. say Josh McDaniels too. He's just um, not a good coach, no matter how much talent he has. But even so, I feel like Derek Carr should have a lot less interceptions to this point. Oh yeah, absolutely. He has though. he has four picks. And only eight touchdown passes. He has twelve hundred yards, which is good. He always racks up the yardage. But when you have, when you have Devonte Adams to add into a wide res, a, a pass catching corpse that already had uh, uh, Darren Waller and uh, Hunter Renfro, then uh, you start to look at the quarterback and you think, what's going on, dude? Especially yeah. when you have Josh Jacobs, who's having a kind of a career year, low key. Um, all right. And so our last response is Jad Noem, Noah man. No, let me know in the comments what, uh, or in the DM. I know a lot of you guys hop in the DMS after I post the fan boxes. You said Ross. So we can do our last uh, Russell Wilson rant of the, of the, uh, of the night before we end our show, because that is our last response, but anything else you want to add? Because we've, we've, uh, we've, crapped all over him quite a bit i'm not gonna say it i'm not oh who am i kidding i'm gonna say it broncos country let's ride you were fighting you were fighting demons when you were when you're fighting not to say that i'm sorry it's so funny how confident he was and then he came in and just rested on his laurels i mean he doesn't care it's so blatantly obvious he doesn't care and now Broncos country let's ride is just like the mantra of just underachieving. And it looks bad that he continues to say it. Yeah, he does. He was so cavalier after losing. Like I, I honest to God wonder if he cares. He said after asked about what he feels about the team struggling so far and underachieving, he said, no, I'm having a lot of fun right now. Well, that, he literally said oh, that, that with, he yeah. literally admitted at that point. That's basically admitting that he thinks this that losing is fun. If you are, and this well, yeah, is what separates like that, I imagine. And this is what separates him from the, and I'll say Aaron Rodgers too, the Aaron Rodgers, the Josh Allen's, the Tom Brady's, the Mahomes's, the Mahomes's of the world. This is what separates him from all those guys because they, they hate, they hate losing more than they love winning. They think yeah. if they lose, they they can't 
fathom losing. And I look at Tom Brady more than the other the other three guys that we mentioned, especially Aaron Rodgers. I'm sure he loves winning, and I'm sure he hates losing. I mean, he gets bitchy when he doesn't win, <laughs> but like still, there's I don't see I don't see I don't see Russell Wilson feeling this way. Mm-hmm. I mean, even Devontae Adams, who left left uh, Aaron Rodgers, and I'm not condoning his behavior and at all, but he slammed his helmet down. He pushed a guy down because they lost the game. Yeah, and the team's one and four. At that point, a lot of t- a lot of guys would just turtle and just be like, "Oh, oh well." This guy was pissed, and Russell Wilson's saying, "Let's ride." He just seems so. Oh boy, that's yeah. I hope I hope he gets his head screwed on straight because this get this guy is too likable to not uh to be to yeah. be hated like this. He's I don't know. All right. But any other thoughts before we end the show tonight? Another fat, another, another very long fan box segment. But we do enjoy yeah. you guys' responses. Oh yeah. But nothing on your end. Uh, Broncos country, let's ride. <laughs> All right, that'll do it for us tonight. Thank you for listening to us. We have new episodes out on Tuesdays and Fridays at seven thirty p.m. Eastern time. Be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel. We have all our episodes available on Spotify, Spreaker, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, and so much more. Also, be sure to follow our Instagram at FumbleRooski underscore podcast to keep up with our podcast and the latest coverage on the NFL. Otherwise, we'll see you next week over and out.